0: Welcome to the official love Redemption after show a very very distinctive distinctive podcast. Podcast. I'm Yael Teagle. I'm Felicia Michelle. And today we are talking about the tournament job. Tournament. 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 I don't know which one. I don't know. Let's
1: find out when we head into the studio. Hello and welcome to the official Leverage Redemption After Show, a very, very distinctive, distinctive podcast. podcast. I am Yel Teagle. I'm
0: Felicia Michelle. I'm
1: so excited. This is season two, episode three, The Tournament Job.
0: My favorite one thus far. My favorite one thus far. You can't say favorite because then the writers of the show will just throw you off and you'll have a new favorite. But so far, this is my favorite. Yeah,
1: I agree. I absolutely love this episode as as a big nerd. Seeing (laughs) seeing a gaming con is really fun. Um, Seeing everybody really in their element is so fun. I absolutely loved this episode.
0: Learning some new elements that people have that kind of surprise us because... Would you have taken Mr. Harry Wilson as a gamer? So, yes.
1: And yeah. only because of okay, last season, um, we had the episode, uh, the double-edged sword job.
0: <sighs> okay, yeah.
1: Where he plays mobile
0: games. So, it totally makes sense to me. Because he had time me. by himself after his divorce. It okay. totally makes sense to me that yes. now he plays games. He was in it too. Like he got like really excited, he got super like giddy and like childish, and no, I really loved it. it
1: Honestly, his his uh, commitment to his character to this Barry
0: the producer,
2: <laughs> Calendar shooting Maldives. What? I'm your new producer. I'm Barry. <laughs>
0: cool. It was so good. I had to laugh because I I really was cracking up because there was like a host there and like you know we're hosts, and so it was funny because like I've met a, a version of this character multiple times both the host and, and um and Barry the producer like I've met versions of these characters so it was pretty funny to watch absolutely I- it was that wig <laughs> It's <on> his head
1: <laughs> the wig was perfect it was so perfect I 100% believe that that our writers of this episode have been to a gaming tournament these are esport fans 100% believe it and this episode was directed by Beth Get a girl this episode is so fun um we have this fictional game and we have this fictional team and we have this guy kyle fury who is a former athlete now going from sports to esports talk to me what is this face it's
0: um it's like he's a, he's like a he was never really that guy. Like he played sports, but he bounced around. He was never really that guy. So I never, I didn't understand. I was like, "What's your motivation? Why do you think you're great?" That was one of the things. Like, why do you think greatness is on the inside of you the way that you do? Like, why? Where is that audacity? Yeah, what is, uh, it's audacity. That's
1: the thing that I loved about this character is that we, I feel like we all know people like this in our life. Where <laughs> you're like, "Oh, you think you're, you? Oh, you think you're something." But there's no skill set to back it up.
0: Well, uh, he what he lacked in his own personal skills, he made up for in controlling people, mm. which was really crazy because I don't think a lot of people ever really look at they look at talent, right? They just see the talent, but they never really kind of know what that forces behind. them. I'm not saying that all people are nefarious and they're doing crazy, terrible things, but it does exist in in some space, right? Mm-hmm. But it was the fact that he was holding someone's dream hostage for me that made him the most evil because you know Uh, you know, our character, Tim, Tim gave up his family, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, He gave up being having a relationship with his sister. He was so focused. Those guys are so focused on being their best and doing well and just performing, performing well and having an esports career that he essentially would have been taken from them. Right. Because either way, they have a non-compete if they quit. And then it's like a stain on them because they left this major team.
1: Right. I think what's so fascinating about this character is that he's not just this guy with audacity he's using he's using abuser tactics to essentially he's kind of human trafficking in a way that for for profit in a way that we don't usually see that is very true right like
0: it was really like he's past being a user yeah he's definitely definitely abusive my thing is uh why are you eating and drinking that stuff I would no hunger strike. No, no, <laughs> hunger strike.
1: I I mean in an abusive relationship you do what the controlling person tells you to do and that's unfortunately what we were at in this episode. There
0: was something that did confuse me right off the bat though. Mm-hmm. Um his muscle Brock. F- Brock. Very very fitting name. <laughs> Was that a regular size backpack on him or is he just so big that it looks like he has like one of those little, you know, like the little kids, they have the little tiny backpack. It was a like regular looks, size backpack. And then when he fought Elliot, I wrote, why no shirt, but still the backpack? Like, how do you just like, I'm going to come about this shirt, but not the backpack?
1: My favorite part of this episode that's hard to say because I liked so much. Of it. One of my favorite parts of this episode, I know
0: what you're gonna say, is
1: when he's on horse tranquilizer. Yes, and he's doing pushups, shirtless, making eye contact, and Elliot says, "I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why he's doing this." He
3: took his shirt off. It's weird.
1: This moment is so weird, so weird, so specific.
0: It's good though. It's really good and it's funny. It's like, well, what do we do? do? Can we just give him more horse tranquilizer? Like, right. what can we? Do um he fell out so fast? I can't believe he recovered the way that he did. But th- that opened to a great scene where we got to get the narration of that fight with uh you know Barry the producer <laughs> stepping in and um uh narrating that fight. That, yes. and, but so it was cool because it was like what was happening in the video game what was happening in real life. And
4: it's on!
2: Thunder Wave comes out hot out of the gate with an immediate hyperdrive charge attack. Ooh, Deborah Midnight
0: is taking some damage. Uh, that was fun. That was a really fun part of the episode. And then I loved how they teased it a little bit, right? And then, they, like, jumped to something else. Like, hey, now we're going to give you that full scene that you wanted. Like, he kind of started, and I was like, wait, you're not going to keep narrating the fight? Like, the fight can't be over, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: I, I agree. I think the, the choice to have um, the commenting on the esports versus the fight happening in the hallway going back and forth was just such a beautiful... Directed by Beth Riesgraf. so smart! Such a clever way to do that.
0: Very interesting way to tell to for just to be a different. We we get fight. We're gonna have fights on this show. We have Elliot with his hair flips and fists. Right? Oh my god! It's the first time I. That's first time I said it. It's been three episodes. Interesting. <laughs> um, but we we're used to seeing that. But it's cool. It just happens in like a different kind of way. I was fun. It was really interesting.
1: This episode is so fun because we also get Brianna. As our inside person, Brianna gets a bigger uh, a bigger part of this con. I feel like you know everybody is elevating this episode. Everybody is moving up and doing uh, more and using their skills. We also get another one of my favorite moments, okay. which is the user handles.
2: My handle is Lawhound39. If anybody wants to play, it's Lawhound39.
4: Ooh, we're doing cool dog names. I'm gonna be Thief Puppy21. No, Chihuahua Bandit17. Uh,
1: what would your Dog yeah, puppy dog name. (laughs) Handle B. I did not prepare you for Um,
0: this. I don't uh my dog I guess whatever our what are my dog's names? Big baller, twelve, twenty. I don't know. I think I can't remember his birthday. But the dog's <laughs> name is Big Baller, and I can't his birthday's in I look, that was terrible. Why would you be on the spot like that? I'm so
1: sorry. I'm so I sorry. I am not
0: on the team. I can't I can't I can't think like that. <laughs> uh, but speaking of people elevating and um moving kind of like in a forward direction, did you realize something this episode? I don't know if you realized it. What? Parker was eating cereal with milk, like in a proper bowl.
1: <laughs> elevating.
0: Elevate. Just those little tiny things, really.
1: Yeah. Um, I I love the resolution of this con, uh, where we find out that if they if the team wins, then they're screwed, mm-hmm. and if they lose, then they're screwed. So we have to find a
0: solution, and I love the way that we. Yeah. That confused Brianna like real bad. Like, mm-hmm. don't know if you saw her face. She's like, because I'm gonna get. Wait. No matter what I do, this person will, this evil person will win. So what do, what do we do?
1: Yeah. I love the way that they trust the team, right? Because Elliot built this trust. And how did he build it? With food. Because that's how you do it. With food.
0: (laughs) That, I mean, I don't disagree.
1: How beautiful was that scene where he made the team dinner?
0: I think everyone likes those moments where they just kind of get together. Even, uh, we love a con. Mm-hmm. We love the action. We love all that stuff, but just the vibe that they have. Like we love seeing that too. So.
1: Yeah, seeing Elliot uh really
0: earn the trust of this team yeah. and and help them and learn about them and you know. It was also something else to point out. He made culturally relatable food. Like he made food for them based on their like the kids How are you going to somebody's grandmom's kimchi? First off, that's love right there mm-hmm. and you can't just just get that at the at the at a store. I almost named a store, but no one's sponsoring us. <laughs> um, but like you threw that out, and he saw that, and he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna come with a bigger action." And be like, "Okay, well, let me show this." They were so grateful, and it was it was a very sweet moment. And-
1: yeah, I think Kyle's Kyle not knowing kimchi tells you how uncultured.
0: <laughs> Kyle looks like he eats like, burgers with nothing on them. He's like, no, just give me the meat and the bread, like, a serial killer or something. <laughs> like, he look, he looks like he, he'll he eat cold food. He just looks like you can't trust him.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you can't trust him. I mean, him.
0: obviously. But he's really, really smart, and that's almost kind of annoying because we do like our cons to be a little bit crooked because we get to kind of make, like, ha-ha, you're stupid, you got caught. But, like, he was kind of seemingly a step ahead and a lot smarter than some of the other villains that we've seen like he just was on it he had a guy already he almost like he had his own kind of he had his own bad guys right
1: yeah he had his own bad guys he he knew to check for secret cameras he was he was a step ahead most of the time most of the time I love a a competent villain so that it's even more satisfying <laughs> when, when they do get down. caught yeah, yeah it's
0: absolutely true um, I, this was, this was fun, though. I think a lot of people can, like, just relate to, like, video games and really love, in video game culture. And I didn't know, I actually went and, like, kind of did a little research and looked it up. You can, I didn't know that was a real job. What? Granted, I kn- no one knows what I do in my family. But, no, I didn't know that was, like, a job. I didn't know you could really. They're professional video game players. You can say look, you can be a professional bubblegum chewer. That doesn't mean it's going to make any money. I don't know. <laughs> like I didn't This is know. Like a real
1: this is a big industry. I know.
0: I know. I, di- I I didn't I didn't think like they were like I thought they like could live and support themselves, but I didn't know that they were making like they're in a, a different type of tax bracket is what I'm saying. I didn't know. They're I didn't th- know.
1: They're they're like traditional
0: athletics. I'm trying to find the polite way to say I didn't, this. I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know how big I e, I didn't know. I found out. I'm mad, I'm mad now. I'm mad. I shouldn't have been outside playing. I should have been inside with those video games, huh?
1: <laughs> well, luckily, <laughs> commentating on esports is also a job.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. I appreciate that. I could,
1: I could help you find another with the skill set you have already.
0: Thank you, yes. <laughs> um, no, but it's, it's interesting because... These people, these young men, really like had this dream of like playing and and ascending to this level. Now I know where they can ascend to because I would have wanted to ascend to there too if I <laughs> was into video games. And you meet somebody who's like, "Oh my god, we're gonna be able to give you the world, and you're gonna be this amazing team." And he does have a name for himself, and you are on this platform, but at at what cost? And like, just how predatory someone yeah. like that is.
1: Absolutely, and you know this. This episode not only introduced you to the world of esports, but also introduced a lot of people. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about this show.
0: You always learn something.
1: You always learn something.
0: That's because they do the research, too. They
1: do. And you know what? We are going to tell people even more about this episode. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. As you know, Noah and Beth have directed episodes this season, but they also directed episodes last season. Let's check out some of the behind the scenes of their directing jobs.
5: Two actors for Leverage Redemption directed this year, Noah Wiley and Beth Reescraft. And Noah actually has a fair amount of experience directing. Uh, He directed on Librarians when I worked with him then. He's directed on his other shows. And the show, I think, benefits from having the actors direct in that, first of all, they're working with directors they trust and know. And so the actors are in a a different space. And also the actors understand the rhythms of the show. You know, often directors fly in, they prep for a week, they shoot for a week. If you're lucky, you have directors who recur like Jonathan Frakes on the original show, who just become part of the family. And they they know the rhythms of the show like the back of their hand.
2: I love challenges when I'm working. I tend to get bored unless I have them. And so if you increase the degree of difficulty and tell me that this can't be done, that's suddenly when I get engaged and say, oh yeah, we can figure it out. And this is a whole bunch of people that have the attitude. Oh yeah, we
6: can figure it out. And that's really exciting. Well, you know. As a former actor myself, I tend to have a great prejudice for directors who are former actors. That's why Jonathan Frakes had directed so many episodes of our show. I really believe that actors have a unique way of speaking to the other actors and understanding what needs to get done as far as communicating character. But then when you have two actors who are actually currently doing the show directing, you have a a real unique perspective because they're not just bombing in, trying to figure out how to do a show. They understand the complexities of how hard it is to do this show and how to develop these character arcs. And they have a communication with each other as actors and a respect for each other that an outside director coming in just can't organically get. You know, they they have to earn it. And these two actors earned it.
2: If we did two cameras right now and did Zing Zing, that cleans up all the covers that we owe uh, from Rick's
7: view. It's really special when you can have some of your cast directs some episodes. They both love the show. They both love to direct, and they're both really good at it.
6: They really, both of them, understood the tone of the show. Uh, I I was so impressed with their not just their technical prowess behind the camera, but just that they understood the fun. They didn't. They they knew coming into it that we're not. It's a heist show, but we're not making Michael Mann's Heat. We're making a show that's fun that the whole family can watch and both of them just really understand that on a really deep level
1: what is it like directing yourself
4: you know it's interesting as actors we do put ourselves on tape for auditions and things a lot so um i never really worry that the acting part of it seems like the easiest part in a way because i'm so used to clicking into being parker when i need to be and our show is such a fast paced moving machine that you know we've all gotten used to the rhythm of that. But directing myself, it's really fun because I, I am able to trust my team. We set up our shots and we get ready to go and my camera guys and my DP and everybody are looking out for us. And when it's time for me to jump in, I know that we've rehearsed and set up a shot. And so then it's my time to just play with my castmates and I have the best scene partners in the world. So it's, it's like the least stressful part of the job is just getting to play with those guys.
1: So Noah also directed again this season and he wrote an episode. Will you be writing an episode maybe this season?
4: Oh, that would be amazing one day. I would love to do that. Not this season, but I would love to.
7: Being an actor as a director is helpful to the other actors as well. I think the rest of the cast really appreciates when an actor is directing them. There's a whole nother level there that um, only another actor can bring to that position. As one of the producers, prepping the episodes with the actors is extra fun too, because you're in all the prep meetings with them. You're working with them on a completely different level. It's always fun being directed by actors. It was exciting to to work with Noah, but it was Absolutely thrilling to work with Beth on her debut episode. We know her so well. She knows our characters so well. She knows our processes, how we blend and she's an incredibly visual person. I knew already this about her that she was a wonderful photographer and that she has a great um, visual sense. So to to work with her as uh, director that knows our characters so well and our processes but also to bring her um, visual sense to the show was really really thrilling and exciting and also to watch any friend and colleague excel and 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 try new things is always exciting
4: no listen when you direct and act you gotta eat on the go what can i say
5: the great thing about Beth directing is that uh, this is her first directing experience, and it was wonderful to see someone that we love and has been a co-worker and a dear friend for so many years make this jump into the next phase of her career. And of course, she did a fantastic job. She knows the set like the back of her hand. She knows the crew, It's a lot of the same crew uh, intimately. And uh, everyone rallied around her to make sure she had a great experience. And what's wonderful is that the actors take the experience back to acting with them. You know, so they've directed and they've learned what it's like to be on that side of the camera and what the camera needs and the director needs to make the scene and make the cut and make their day. And they then bring that back and they have that in the back of their head as actors as they craft their performance.
6: On top of that, the crew loves both of them. And so you have this crew just, just fighting for them, just wanting them to succeed. And that's just a beautiful thing to see.
5: Actors as directors ask different questions of the writers. You know, because they are experienced in delivering the lines and they're experienced in crafting the characters, when they go to the writers with questions about the show, they're approaching it from the actor's point of view, the the character's point of view, the delivery point of view, not necessarily the plot or technical point of view, which is always gives you a, not a better, but a, a different experience. So it's good for the show behind the camera and in front of the camera. It's good for the show behind the camera because creatively actors bring something interesting to directing, particularly not just actors but members of that particular cast into the show. And it's good in front of the camera because those actors have learned a different relationship with the show, with the production and with what we need uh, just, just for the edit. It's
7: really fun. It's really fun to have your actors direct episodes. So
1: wrap on Kevin and Anne and Annie and Amy. Morgan.
0: Morgan. Everybody. Y'all got to talk to my two favorite Blurds, Mr. Aldis Hodge and Miss Elise Shannon. Check it out.
3: Honestly, you know, coming back to the show is really for the love of the fans and then being able to come back and meet Elise, especially on the first season and really watching you come into your own, find your space, you know, drop your humor. Like, I was like, all right, we can, we can have some fun. You know what I mean? That's kind of where the magic of the show lives is all actors and in our individual relationships with each other that kind of feed the relationships of the characters on the screen. You know what I mean? And, you know, we kind of just had that click off top. So for me, I was like, I, you know, this is dope. Um, for me, I see a bright star in you, at least I, I believe that I believe in you. Um, I was at a premiere not too long ago. Um, I was at, uh, I premiere for tell. And, A woman came up to me. She was, you know, with the whole party and all that. Love leverage, love redemption. And she was like, please tell me that Brianna's coming back. I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, she kills. She's just everything. She just raved about you. I was like, hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it takes, this show kind of lives on the organic chemistry of how we are with one another. And that's that's really kind of where it lives and, um, you know, when I got time to come kick it and play, I'm I'm with it. You know, the only thing I haven't done yet, I think that probably needs to happen is I haven't been directed by Beth yet. And I've uh, been looking forward to that. I can imagine because Beth, God dang it, ain't nothing but silliness. And I can only imagine if Beth is sitting there directing a scene between Elise and I. We're not gonna Uh get work done.
0: (laughs) Dude, and she kills it too. Beth Beth gets some serious director problems to solve, and she has never failed to solve one yet. I mean, like
3: weather raining, you guys out, her entire week because of rain being shut down, and she's like still deliver on time, boom. Like
0: Like the kraken could come on set when Beth is directing, and I promise you it'd be gone by the next day. And yeah, we'd still it. make our hours. Yeah. She's insane. Uh, Elise, I want to
1: talk about the tournament job because this is an episode all about gaming. It's a big Brianna episode. Brianna takes the lead um, on the con, and we get to hear all this like esports jargon and gaming and things. How much of that did you actually know? And how much of that did you just learn in the script?
0: I know nothing about gaming, which is probably why the whole Twitch thing failed. So um, I'm not a gamer. The last game I played was SSX Tricky on PS2 um and that's a snowboarding game from the early aughts uh I have a cousin named Rashonda. she knows a lot of things I hit her up I don't think she answered my text so
3: sus-
0: <laughs> literally <not. laughs>
3: hit her up right now put her on Rashanda. I got some questions <laughs> for you
0: I should she's in the military though let me not take her off her job
3: yeah no no nah, we good we ain't trying to get nobody in trouble
1: right um Alice, your uh Hardison wasn't in this episode, but he is spoken to and he texts them. Did you are you aware when like your character is doing stuff and you're not there?
3: Absolutely not. <laughs>
1: well, Absolutely
3: fair. not. they be getting your boy out here. Just got me, you know, texting people, making phone calls, sending emails. I don't know what I'm doing. I just be catching it when I watch the show and I'll be like, oh, I was there too. That's nice.
1: do you have time to watch the show you watch the show
3: yeah when i can i mean for me watching uh watching the work is a part of the work for me uh now i can't lie i haven't watched much of anything in the past few weeks past few months um but i always like you know for me i enjoy the show just because the tone of it is light it's funny it's also really nostalgic just you know been at this thing let me see since i was twenty one ooh thirty six now do the math god dang that is fun. it really is a fun show
1: I love that i think I think the fans are gonna love to find out that a big d c superhero watches average redemption <laughs> <laughs> amazing I mean,
3: you know Hardison is definitely um a Hardison is is definitely sort of a I'd say a hyphenate of me in real life. Uh, You know, I'm definitely a a big nerd. I'm, I'm very much in, you know, I'm I'm in this space. I'm not very technically savvy, but uh, technology, science, all these things, you know, it's a part of me. So there's a more personal uh, tie to the series than uh, than just, you know, it's not going to work and, and, you know, punching a clock every day for me. It's uh, creative art and I enjoy it.
1: One of our favorite things here at the Leverage Redemption After Show is showing you behind the scenes and we got an exclusive tour of the HQ with Dean Devlin himself. Check it out.
6: Welcome to Leverage headquarters. (laughs) We have our little Elliot's Corner because Elliot needed his own little place. And this is a real punching bag. It's a real heavy bag. It is. And he's he's got his free weights.
0: Gotta stay in shape. Hair flips and punches.
6: Exactly. If we exit out here, we're in the exterior courtyard. And one thing that's actually fun this year is we actually built the next door (gasps) house. Last year we had to digitally put it in. This year we actually just built it.
1: Oh, wow. Do we meet the neighbors? We do not meet the neighbors.
6: Here's a little behind-the-scenes stuff. It was so noisy with the water that we put this in instead, and it looks like water on camera. And we can add the sound later, but that way we don't have the sound disturbing us while we're shooting the scene.
1: What is that? It's plastic.
6: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's like a um, like what you use with glue. Oh. Yeah, it's a plastic thing. Oh. But uh, on camera, it looks like it's water.
0: It does look like water.
6: So wow. very often we'll do like a walk and talk with the actors coming in through that door or the other door and they'll, they'll just talk on the exterior before they go inside.
1: So, in the Halloween job, where we were overlooking the parade, is the parade, was the parade happening out here or out there?
6: It was happening out there.
1: Okay, and this is also where the guy came in the bucket job <laughs> to ask for assistance. Right. Sorry, I'm just losing my
6: mind here. So, let me take you Up the back staircase.
1: Has this always been here?
6: This has been here. In fact, Beth used it in one of the episodes, but she did a crane shot from the outside as they walked down. Wow. And as you can see, very often we'll look down on our characters in the courtyard from up here, or they'll yell up to the characters speaking up here. And in the Halloween episode, they were at the end of this, pointing the gun out over the back gate. Now the decorations up here change a lot, but this is the upstairs portion of headquarters.
1: This is where they open their Christmas gifts. That's
6: right. Well there's this and then there's another area over here. And this is a little new addition this year that we didn't have last year.
1: Cool.
6: This is the stairway to the attic. Oh like we there's more? Well not here, but technically, technically. There so if you remember the attic set, this is actually the connective tissue of how you would have gotten up to the attic. There
0: you go. Very <laughs> <laughs> I made it all the way You made it to the top,
6: yay! This light box gives us a, like 70-80% to 80% of our lighting is all done through this light box and the other one there. And as you can see, it recesses up into the top of the set. So depending on what we're shooting, we could just lower the entire light box down. Wow. And it gives us the general lighting for the scene. So I will show you what the mystery doors are. So those doors back there... We've never established where they go to. And then there's a door over here, right next to where we came out from the stairs, and we don't know where that goes up. So we're assuming that either through those doors or theirs leads to other bedrooms and other buildings where they sleep.
1: Oh, I know what I gotta do right now. Oh, I know it, I know it. What do you gotta do, what do you gotta do?
0: Oh, big daddy! (laughs) (laughs) This is not, this is not staying It's not
6: stained glass, it's a print on a fabric that the light can shine through so that way, as you you can see here, it's dark, but if you look over on that one, it's uh, light light coming through it. So, depending on the lighting scheme we want, we just turn on the lights above it and the lights come right through it. With actual stained glass, the colors of the stained glass would color what's below it, but by doing it this way, the color can stay neutral. This is a little nook that we've only used a couple times but it's a little private nook, where uh, a couple times I've had Harry and, and Sophie have a little private conversations, but it gives another little area that they can have a conversation without letting the rest of everyone know.
1: There's a reservation sign on
6: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who is that?
6: Reserve for Gina and Mikey. <laughs> I think that's a, an inside joke for our first AD, Mikey, and our actress, Gina Ballman. Oh, What's your
0: favorite part in, in HQ? Do you have a favorite area or part?
6: Well, for me, where where I sit is over here. It's like when when we're doing rehearsals or lighting will happen, you'll often find me here, either on my phone or on my iPad, looking at the script and making notes about how I want to shoot the scene. So usually they're running around and I'm doing this.
1: <laughs> so this needs a little reservation for that Dean is my reservation
6: for right. for
0: Dean and his
6: iPad. <laughs> That's right. So these were where the stables were, Okay. but what they've done is they've converted all of those into apartments and up to, So one oh. of them could be, any one of these could be their, their apartments.
0: Very unique to New Orleans. Yeah. Love
6: it. So thanks for coming. Well, thanks,
0: thanks for beer. showing us around and having us. You bet. I think we should go grab a beer. Yeah, we, we should, should go, go, grab go grab a
4: beer.
0: Or something <laughs> like that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We got to sit down with amazing writer, actor, director, Noah Wiley, a.k.a. Mr. Harry Wilson.
1: We have Barry, the producer. Yeah, uh, This is, I think, the first time we see Harry really get into character. Yep. This is him going overboard. Even Sophie says you can get too carried away. But he's, he's in it, and he's determined, and he's also um, knowledgeable. Like, he knows what he's talking about, which is hilarious.
2: He—that's a—that was a whole thing that was revealed to me. Uh, We have a cameraman on our show. His name is Gary Camp. He's been Dean Devlin's cameraman going back to Universal Soldier. He's been on every Dean Devlin production. I've worked with him now for twenty years on all the Librarian movies and all the Librarian TV show, and now this show. And he's extremely good looking, and he's very muscular and uh has long hair and he's got this confidence and uh this kind of swagger and in another life i would love to have a, a portion of that uh, machismo so i thought i know i'll make harry barry gary <laughs> And so I started telling everybody I was going to play Gary. And then everybody got so excited. They were designing tattoos. and They'd got the wig and they got the clothes. And I thought when I came out of the trailer, like, oh, everybody's going to think this is so funny. And instead, everybody was like, oh, dude. Like, yeah, they look good. Like, Have you ever had your hair like that before? Wow. Okay. Like, cool. I was like, what? Uh, Yeah. Maybe this is, maybe this is, maybe this works. And then I started owning it a little bit more. So uh, what came out was me leaning into um, people seriously enjoying the costume.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love that.
2: Based on our cameraman.
1: Amazing. And Harry, we know that he's a little bit of a gamer, but like he clearly knows.
2: Oh, he knows his gaming.
1: He does. He was, he knows enough to be a commenter on eSports. Yep. That's. Incredible.
2: Yep. Yep. Well, we sort of touched on that last year that he's uh, yeah, that, but that's he, to stress relief he gets in there and then you know he may have he populates a chat room or two and this year we got to see that this is more than just a yeah. passing interest. He's actually quite committed to this and so
1: Right. I bet he he watches lots of Twitch streams in his free time.
2: I had to do a deep dive on all that stuff. I I got a I, I You know, I I didn't know much about that world, which is what's one of the great things about our show, is that you you get exposed to a completely new arena that you didn't know anything about. And what a huge world that is. Tense.
1: Yeah. And now you're addicted to gaming?
2: Yeah, totally. Totally. In (laughs) fact, when I leave here, I'm going right to a tournament.
1: (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) Um, I believe that. All right. Tell me about being in the writer's room.
2: The first thing that struck me about being in the writer's room was how for 30-some-odd years I've erroneously thought that writing television was easy. (laughs) Uh, And you get really dispelled of that notion quickly when you look at a blank canvas and realize that this show in particular has a very specific format that it needs to fit into. And when we began, Kate Rorick made a point of saying to me that there's a reason why all the original writers of Leverage have gone on to be showrunners on the shows that they're working on now, because the apprenticeship and the education you receive from trying to work this format becomes a discipline that you'll carry with you forever. And so I was really up for the challenge, but, you know, saw what a challenge it was going to be right off the bat. Um, I also learned that writing is really research and that um the people that we employed on the show this season were incredible at doing deep dive research so fast finding the applicable article finding the interesting you know uh, news story that's relevant to the case adding texture detail um I really appreciated the camaraderie of and how respectful everybody was of each other's ideas and process Almost to the point where, you know, we'd be talking about an idea that didn't seem to be working for such a long period of time where I would start to think like, this thing's not a good idea. Let's move (laughs) on. And then somebody would kick it one more time and a ruby would pop out and you go, oh, OK, so that's another thing I need to file away. That sometimes you got to work these things forever because until you've really found that there's nothing there, there might be something there. You also learn about politics of people. Sometimes the person who talks the least has the most to say. Sometimes the person who talks the most has the least to say, so forth. And you learn to be uh, really cognizant of of where contributions come from and in what form and how they don't come in the same form that I present them in. So I can't assume that I know everything because there's different vantages and points of view on it, uh, which was really healthy for me to get. Mostly, I felt really gratified that they included me and um, were collegiate with me, and uh, I hope they have me back.
1: Um, You, this isn't your first time writing on an electric show. You wrote on. No, I
2: wrote on Librarians too, but it was different. I was in the room, but I wasn't in the room. I was in the room to break the episodes that I was working on as as the writer. Uh, where they give you kind of a template or an outline and then say, "Okay, go write the script," but that's almost more like being writing it on spec. This was coming in and, and being part of the, the the fabric of creating the season and and getting a vantage point through not just the episode that I was writing, but from one to thirteen, which was really exciting.
1: So you got to see the the big story arc that everyone else is now slowly getting to reveal.
2: Yeah, more than see it, watch it, come into being through, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Without spoiling it, I knew exactly what you meant.
2: It's <laughs> not linear, but then it gets, it, then it. But when it's right, it seems inevitable. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, how much input did you have in the the big reveals that came out at this season?
2: I had a couple. You know, yeah. I, it's sort of indelicate and in, in, to to. So well I had this idea and that idea <laughs> but there were a couple turning point ideas that I contributed that I was really happy to see make it in Kate paid me the compliment uh on one of them of giving me letting me go early like an hour or two from the day she's like sometimes when a, when a contribution comes in that's of that kind of value we say go home so go home <laughs> and I took that uh, very uh, to heart Um mostly I, I signed up to get the education and go to film school on Dean Devlin's dime. And (laughs) Dean has been really cool about letting me get that education and expose me to all these talented people that he's had in his family all this time. And uh, I came away really feeling great.
1: One of the most important things about this show are the cons, and you can't do a con without costumes. You can't really do a show without costumes. So let's look at Nadine Haters, the costume designer, and how she makes the magic come to life.
8: When you
2: start to build a character around costumes, and Nadine Haters is one of the best that I've ever worked with because she fits every actor that comes on the show, and she gives them a sense of agency over their character, and she's interested in them being comfortable in their clothing and having their clothing be part of the storytelling.
8: Hi, I'm Nadine Haters, and I am the costume designer on Leverage Redemption.
6: One of the things I love about Nadine is that she really thinks about how does the costumes pull out the character from the actor. In other words, it's not just what looks nice. It's what reveals the thing we need to know about those characters and the situation they're in. And she's developed such a, a wonderful relationship with all of our cast that, for instance, when I'm directing, it, it's very easy for me. For the most part, I just trust her to do what she does because I know that she sees things the way I see it and that her discipline is not about her winning an Emmy Award. Her discipline is what's the best way to tell this story and best way for us to understand who these characters are through what they're wearing.
8: Sophie's always been a sophisticated been, you know, very fashion forward. Um, I don't think anything's changed. When we started the show, Aldous was, I think, 20. I think he was 20, maybe 21. So when we started, it was a really vibrant, colorful t-shirts, graphic t-shirts. And he was all about his sneakers. And he was just kind of loud and and young and hip. And um, he's grown into an older... Super hip, just sophisticated person. That's that's really grown up as a, as a character too. Right.
3: So, yeah. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I gosh, I was just standing right here. That's what I did, and uh, got used to it and other <laughs> stuff. But now, I but you can even just point to me to is. is basically what you're asking. Me. This is, this Do is what you're
8: okay? saying. <laughs> you saying. Fine.
3: This is basically, Fine. this whole thing is morose. So it's all these things we've <laughs> taken
8: down. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> you know, nothing in the app with Elliot. His evolution, he was already evolved when we got him. So he basically, you think Christian and I have played it pretty close to the original and uh, on purpose because I don't think Elliot is someone who worries about what he puts on every day. He puts on what's comfortable and what he can fight in or, you know, save the world in. And um, so there hasn't been much of an evolution there, which I love, I love that. The evolution of Brianna, she's still very much evolving. She's because she's such a young character. And when we started with her last season, the one thing that I really wanted to play to, and I hope I've captured that, is taking Brianna and looking at who her brother is, And sort of doing a little combo platter of young Hardison and Brianna. It's like a little harken back to um, the early days of Hardison. From the original series to this series, I think that one of the big differences is that we're all older. The characters are older. They've had experiences that you kind of have to imagine has happened to them. Some of it's been written to, a lot of it's been written to, but not everything. A lot of times we come up with our own backstories, um, you know, just myself and the actors or myself and I'll pitch the actors. What about this? What about that? And of course they have thoughts because they're, their characters. Um, so that's different. We also have different actors. So that's different in terms of like the creativity and, um, What we're allowed, what I'm allowed to bring to the table um, is not typical when you do network or other shows where you don't have a showrunner, an executive producer that, you know, we're in a bubble. And so there's a lot of creative freedom and that actually is my favorite thing that has gone from the original to this interpretation of the series i would say parker's evolution when we started parker was very much a misfit and um i would say had uh, accelerated arrested development and that was something we definitely played into but as as parker has grown up and she's been in a committed long-term relationship with hardison at this point uh there is a there is a real maturity to her without her losing what makes her Parker. So I think her style has gotten cleaner and sleeker and maybe less um, as quirky as she used to be. I think she's elevated her style.
0: Just like our crew, the fans of Leverage Redemption are so talented, so check out some of the fan art that we received this season.
1: The official Leverage Redemption After Show is part of the Electric Surge Network on Electric Now. We recommend checking out some of our other original content, like Inglorious Trexperts, and even more official aftershows for electric entertainment properties.
0: Thanks so much for watching. And while I figure out how to get rich off of esports, I know that you want to watch more Leverage Redemption.
1: So we have some specials for you to check out. And we will be here every week after new episodes on the Electric Now app. I'm so excited for people to to join us and to be part of the show.
0: End the conversation. Follow us on social media after Leverage. We're there. Leave comments. We love that stuff. We love to read Twitter. I'm not a tweeter, but y'all got you.
1: I got you. <laughs> um, until next time, I'm Yael Teagle. I'm Felicia Michelle. And this has been a, a very, very distinctive, distinctive podcast. podcast.